Well, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. As you've laid this message on my heart, I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to hear it and that you would touch our hearts with it. Holy Spirit, come and reveal your truth and your word to us. Make your presence manifest in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome once again. Um, so glad to have you with us today. Um, and today is a good day to join us because we're going to be starting a brand new series. Anybody got any idea of what it's going to be on? Any thoughts? People with the promise. That's the, that's the message today. What's the series? The church, right. You got it right. Simply called the church because it's going to be all about the church. Now, to some people, the church is just another institution. Ever heard that? I just don't like that. You know, it's, it's just another institution. But is it? You know, some people's reaction when you mention church is, and maybe some of you have heard this, maybe some of you have said this before. Well, I don't have a problem with Jesus. He's okay. I like him, but I just don't like organized religion. I don't like the church. I mean, no doubt you've heard that or maybe said that yourself. Well, in this series, we're going to be looking at what is the church? Why is it here? Is it important? Is it necessary? Does it really matter? Is it still relevant? We're going to be answering a lot of these questions and more. So I want to begin by defining what are we talking about when we're talking about the church. There's two parts to this. First of all, you've got the universal church. The universal church consists of all believers everywhere. Whatever group, whatever denomination they belong to or affiliate with, all who believe in Jesus and his resurrection from the dead and submit their lives to him belong to the universal church. That's the one part. And then there's the local church. The local church is the visible expression of the universal church. Local churches throughout the world are communities where we live out our faith in this, in this world without, with, with other like-minded believers. It's communities of faith that gather to worship, to learn from the Word, to encourage and to be encouraged, to grow together, and where the sacraments are administered, you know, communion and baptism. Local churches are, are the visible expression of the universal church, and they're visible throughout the New Testament. And one thing that you never see in the Bible is you never see people living as individual believers. Now, in our culture, in our Western society, we value individualism. We value, I'm my own man, I'm my own person, I'm my own being, you know, and we devalue our independence, okay? But in the Bible, when you look in Scripture, you see that believers are always connected to communities, since day one in the church, believers assembled together, either in the synagogue or in homes or house churches where there was some kind of organizational structure to facilitate what was happening. All believers belong to the universal church. 
every one of us, but our faith is lived out in the context of these communities of believers in a local church where there's some kind of structure. So I want to begin today by looking at a passage many of you are very familiar with. It's in Matthew chapter 16. And sorry, we don't have an outline up here because I did not get it to the person who makes the outline before they went on vacation. So, (laughs) bear with me. Matthew chapter 16. You know, in this chapter, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And, you know, they give various answers. They respond with, well, some say John the Baptist, and some say that you're Elijah, come back from the dead, and some say you're one of the prophets, and, you know, and so forth. They give all these answers. Some, you know, these ones say this, this person says that, you know, they're all saying different things. Then Jesus says this, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And the you in this, sometimes it's hard to tell. Well, you can't really tell in the English. But it's it's, uh, uh, the word you here is plural. So he's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to to, those that are around him. And he says, what about you? That's enough of the other people. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up for them all. and, And he answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. He says, My Father in heaven is the one that showed you this. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As we look at this passage today, there's three things that I want us to see. And the first of these things is that the church requires a community. The church, for it to be the church, it requires a community. It is a community. Interesting thing about the word church, it only appears three times in the Gospels. All three times are in Matthew's Gospel. This is one of them, and the other two are in one other verse, and that's in Matthew 18, 17. So it appears once in this passage, twice in Matthew 18, 17. It appears many times throughout the book of Acts, the, uh, the, in the epistles, in Revelation, but only in these two verses in the Gospels. But it's so important to what Jesus is saying here, so we're going to look at it today. The word in Greek is ecclesia, and it refers to a community of people who are gathered and submitted to God's rule. A community of people who are gathered and submitted to God's role. It's not just people who gather together. Now, in secular usage, that's what it was. People assembled together or people gathered together, you know, just an assembly or gathering. That's what it was in secular. But in biblical usage, it's people who share a common bond of faith, gathering as a community. It's Jesus' followers who come together in community to do His will. That's what it means to be submitted to God's rule. It means they're doing His will. It doesn't mean they're doing it perfectly. It means there is at least some attempt and desire to do His will. They're living the gospel together. 
Now, that's got some important implications for us. For one thing, the church is not a solo endeavor. It's never a solo endeavor. I'm sure most of us have heard people say things like this, or maybe we've said it, you know. I have church, I just go out in God's creation and have church. You know, <laughs> my church is when I go out on the lake in a boat and just float on the water. Or my church is, you know, you know when I, I, I go out in the woods or out on the beach. That's my church. I worship there, and that's where I have church. But I would ask you then, where is the community? Where is the community? It's not church without a community. I might go outside, spend a day on the lake, spend a day in the boat or on the beach enjoying God's creation. I might even go out there and worship my lungs out. Or, you know, or read my Bible and that. And that's great. That's wonderful. We all do that. I, I've said before, I like to go outside at night on a clear night when I take the trash out. Thursday nights, you know. I take the trash out and I look up at the stars and I'm blown away by the awesome wonder of God and His creation. And I'll worship God. I'll worship Him. And that's great but unless I'm doing that in conjunction with the community of believers, it's wonderful, but it's not church. The church is a group of people submitted to God doing life together. Second thing about the church that we need to see in this passage, Jesus is building the church. He is building the church. He says, I will build my church church you can take every word about that and, and take that apart i you know he's the one that's doing it will it's not maybe or thinking about it. he said i will do this i will what build i'm gonna build i'm doing this i'm active in it i'm involved in it and this is happening my church his church he's saying i will build my church and not i will build my organization i will build my institution i will because i will build my church tells us that the church is his doing it's his idea it's not a man-made institution man did not come up with the idea of church it's god's plan and it's his work and you know one of the implications for that uh, of that for us is that that should affect how we speak about the church. Whether it's, you know, this church over there, or this church over there, we need to be careful how we speak about the church because the thing about the church we need to realize, Jesus loves his church. He loves his church. He loves the, the, the contemplative church. He loves the church of, you know, Swinging from the chandeliers. He loves the, the, the smells and the bells and the incense and the formal and, and the, you know, the, the uh, con, uh, um, contemporary. He loves, all, he loves the church in all its forms. Doesn't mean that he agrees with all the things that we do. I'm sure he doesn't agree with a church that is handling snakes. I certainly don't. But he loves the church whatever they're doing and wherever they are. So, you know, the, the whole church, warts and all. So it's like, you know, when he's saying, this is my church, I am building my church, would you go up to an artist in the middle of a painting and say, that's ugly. 
I don't like that. I don't like what you're doing there. I don't like how you're using color. I don't like the brush strokes. I don't like... Tell that to your mother. <laughs> you are very talented. But, but I mean, you know, we don't go up to an artist and do... So, you know, when Jesus is saying, this is my baby, I am building this church. So let's be careful what we speak about the church. One thing that Jesus totally values is unity in the church. It doesn't mean we agree all together, but we're unified. Okay, unity of spirit. All right, um, let's move on. Verse 18, Peter say, or, or Jesus says, I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now let's look at this a minute. Jesus using a play on words. Okay, every once in a while we see Jesus, you know, or, or one of the disciples getting into using a pun. Okay, and that's what this is because the name Peter means rock. Okay, you are a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. That's what he's saying. Peter, you're a rock and on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is the builder. Okay. There are different theories or interpretations of what Jesus is saying here. Is he saying that I will build my church on Peter, the rock? Or is he saying I will build my church on this statement of faith that you just made? That, that you know, Jesus is the, the, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. And I've looked at this a number of times and I believe that he is saying here, he is saying to Peter, he said, you're a rock and I'm building my church on you. Because Jesus is the builder and the church is built on the foundation of Peter and the apostles and the prophets. He's building the church on the foundation of Peter and the apostles and the other apostles and the foundation and and the uh, prophets, Peter held a special place in the early church as a leader. Now, some traditions have taken that and blown that way out of proportion and given way too much importance to Peter. But let's not overreact by saying, "Oh, he didn't matter," because he did. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says this. So now you, Paul's writing, and he says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So the apostles and the prophets are the foundation upon which Jesus built his church. Now, something I want to point out here. In several places in the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the cornerstone. Literally, that says the head of the corner. That's literally what it means, the head of the corner. The cornerstone, you know, we look at a cornerstone maybe in a, a, a church building or some other building that's built today, and it's a, 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 it's a uh, 
corner or it's a stone that's you know in the corner you know on the foundation there and it's you know built on such and such a date and or maybe dedicated or whatever you know it's it's a commemorative piece there but in Jesus day the cornerstone was hugely significant because it was built at the juncture of two walls however you want to do it two walls and everything else was measured and positioned according to it to ensure that the building was built square so you didn't have one wall you know going straight and the other wall kind of angling off like this the cornerstone was put there as a reference point a point of reference and everything else was measured and positioned according to it. Jesus is our point of reference by which everything is measured. Nothing else. Everything is measured according to him. Now, however, you know, there are, I mean, there are, are, are several places where, where that, you know, that's what Jesus called the cornerstone. But there's also something very interesting because in some places, such as here in Ephesians 2.20, the Greek word, even though it is translated as cornerstone in this passage, the Greek word is actually in this passage is actually capstone. And that is different. Even though it's translated cornerstone here, the Greek word is actually capstone. Some places it is actually cornerstone, some places it's capstone. Now, a capstone was the stone that was at the very peak of an arch, the very center of the peak of an arch, and it held everything together because if you remove that, the walls of the arch and then the walls around it would collapse. So the capstone kept everything together so that it didn't it wouldn't collapse. So question is which one is he? Is he the cornerstone or the capstone? That's right. He's both because he is called both in scripture. The, he's the cornerstone by which all things are measured and he is the capstone which holds all things together. Both are references in scripture. And the foundation upon which Jesus said he, was, he would build his church, he is the builder, he's a cornerstone, he's a capstone, and the foundation in which he would build his church is Peter and the other apostles and the prophets. Peter and the apostles were given authority by Jesus, the builder and the cornerstone, to determine what was allowed and what was disallowed. That's what's meant by the phrase, or by verse 19, where Jesus says, I will give you the, king, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter and the apostles were given the keys. They were given the authority. Their teachings were authoritative. Not looking to what's in culture, but what did the apostles teach? What did they teach in the early church? That's what's authoritative, not what was popular in culture, not what the government allowed, but the teachings of the apostles. Their teachings set the standard of faith in the early 
church. That's why in Acts you read how, how they, they spent their days doing all these things. And one of the things that they did together daily was they focused on the apostles' teachings. As the apostles laid out, this is what, this is what the truth is. This is what the gospel is. This is what, what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he taught. And the apostles' creed that we all are familiar with was based on their teaching. They didn't come up with it, but, but you know, shortly or toward the end of the times of the apostles, the church got together and said, okay, this is the nutshell of what the apostles taught. This was the basis of their teaching. Their teaching was very important because there were several false teachings that tried to creep in in the early days of the church that threatened even the truth of the gospel itself. So from the very early days of the church, the focus was on the teachings of the apostles. As master builder, he's building his church on the foundation of the apostles. And here's something that I really want us to see this morning. Sometimes we talk about, maybe, have you ever heard people talk about the decline of the church? Talk about the universal church. The church is in decline. The church around the world, it's the decline of the church. The church is in decline in this country, you know. Or maybe you're like me and you, you know, seems like you're always hearing of people who are deconstructing their faith. You know, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's not unusual to hear about, sadly, to hear about the failures of prominent church leaders. It can be discouraging, Right? Anybody else ever tend to get discouraged listening to this, listening to all the reports and all of that, which are, granted, they're only telling one side of the story. They're not telling you, you know, uh, 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 all the good that's going on, where the church is thriving and how the church is growing and, you know, revival that's going on in places like Iran and places like that. They're not telling you that. They're just looking at, oh, here's all the problems and it's declining. It can be discouraging. You know, because whatever we focus on is going to be what's most prominent in our mind. So if we're focusing on the negative news, then that's what's going to be prominent, and we're going to totally miss the other stuff that's going on, the good things, the wonderful things that God is doing in His church. In spite of all of that, Jesus gives us a promise. And this is where the title of this message comes with. We are a people with a promise. In spite of all the problems, Jesus gives us a promise about the future of the church, and that is the church will not fail. It will not fail. The church has been given a commission by Jesus. And that commission is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That is our commission. That is our commission, and we're moving forward with our commission as we move forward in it, as we, as we make disciples, as we baptize new believers, as we, as, as we go forward, we must remember this. Jesus is building his church, and what he builds will stand. 
Verse 18, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Will not. It doesn't say the gates of hell won't come against it. It doesn't say there won't be setbacks. It doesn't say there won't be problems in the church. It doesn't say that there won't be challenges and attacks against the church. It does say that no matter what the kingdom of darkness throws at the church, the kingdom of darkness will not succeed, but the kingdom of God will. The church will overcome all obstacles. The church will stand as a beacon of hope. The church will stand as an oasis of rest. The church will stand as a hospital of healing. The church will stand as a shelter in storms. And the church will stand as a voice for justice. And any opposition from hell will ultimately be defeated. Yes, there may be setbacks. Yes, there may be disappointments. Yes, there may be times when it looks like the enemy has the upper hand. But let's not forget the promise that Jesus gave us, and that is that the, that, that the gates of hell will not overcome the church. It will not succeed. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So don't believe anyone that tells you that the church is dead or the church is dying in the world or that, that it's outdated or that's no longer relevant. Because Jesus is actively building his church around the globe. And there is revival that's springing up around the globe in pockets in different countries and in this country. Has nothing to do with numbers, has nothing to do with size. His spirit is breathing new life into local church congregations around the world and we are a part of that. We are a part of that. Large churches, small churches, mega churches, house churches. It doesn't matter. What makes the difference is the presence of God. And where two or more are gathered in his name, he is present in their midst. I want to tell you this. There has never been a more exciting time to belong to the church than right now. In spite of what you might see on the news, in spite of all of this, in spite of what COVID has done, there's never been a more exciting time to belong to the church. I want to tell you, I've you know pastored this church since, you know, the 80s. <laughs> and... Um, I have never been more excited about what I see God doing in these last few years in this local church than I have ever been. When we were larger in numbers, you know, when we were pushing 200, you know, when we were do, to doing two services, oh yes, that was wonderful, that was great. We're a whole lot smaller now, but I've never been more excited about seeing what God is doing and I've never seen him do as much as what he's doing in our midst right here and right now. We've just got to open our eyes and see it. 
Sometimes we can't even see what God is doing in our own lives, let alone somebody else's, because we're looking at too much at the things that are coming at us and the things that life is throwing at us, the things that the enemy is throwing at us. Let's look at what God is doing because he is moving in our midst. There are things taking place now that we have prayed about for years. It doesn't matter how many. I mean, yes, we want God to reach, you know, more souls and bring, you know, save more people and all that. That's yes, that's important. But God is going to build his church, not us. Let's recognize what he's doing in our midst. There has never been a more exciting time to belong to the church. Worldwide, there is so much going on across the globe in the church. Nothing. No power of hell can overcome the church that Jesus is building. And I believe that applies to not only the universal church, but local churches as well. Be sure to join us next week. We're going to talk about, we're going to see that the church is a people with power. So we're going to talk about that next week. Let's stand. <laughs> Father, we thank you for what you are doing in our midst. We thank you for the work that you're doing, that you are building the church. Lord, you are building your universal church. You are building this church. And whatever the enemy throws at us will not succeed. He threw COVID at us, and he may have shut the doors, but he didn't shut down the ministry. As people continued to gather online, continued to encourage each other with phone calls, with notes, cards, checking in. And Lord, even in the midst of all the shutdown and everything else, I saw you put a hunger and a desire like never before in people's hearts and lives to gather with other believers and an appreciation for the opportunity to come together. Lord, we are here for however you want to use us. And we ask you to use us, Lord, as you build your church. The Bible calls us living stones place us in the walls where you want us to be Lord we love you and we love your church 
And we thank you for making us a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hold out your hands, prepare your hearts for a benediction. And now may the God of hope, not the God of the latest bad news, not the God of, of despair, not the God of discouragement, but may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. And take some time to remember tomorrow those who gave their lives so that we could do what we're doing. God bless. See you next week.